Welcome back to The Urban Monk. This is Dr. Pedram Shojai. Excited to be doing a follow-up on a story that we uh, covered pretty extensively a couple years ago. Um, obviously, for those of you who are familiar with my, my films, we did a film called Prosperity back in 2016. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was all about conscious capitalism, how we vote with our dollars, uh, what you do in the economy does matter. And uh, we followed that premise. And, you know, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, go see it. I'm not going to go repeat that year's worth the work. Uh, but one of the key figures in that was a gentleman by the name of Martin Whitaker, uh, who had started a firm called Just Capital. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, you know, started at the pretty much at the inception of that work. It was early days, uh, very exciting what they were doing. Um, and, you know, look, it's been a couple of years. And I got to say, a couple of the conscious banks, a couple of the funds that we had looked at, at you know, that were very exciting uh, are no longer with us, right? So it doesn't mean it's, it's called capitalism, right? It, it, you know, some things survive and some things don't. And I'm happy to report that Just Capital is alive and thriving and doing all kinds of cool stuff. So I wanted to invite Martin Whitaker, the CEO, back on to catch up and talk about what we can do to make the world a better place through the money we spend. So Martin, welcome back. Bedroom, thank you. I'm excited to be back. And uh, indeed, the, the world is steadily and slowly becoming more just, I think. You know, that's an amazing statement because I think a lot of people who watch the news um, on any side of the political spectrum uh, are being fed a lot of information that makes them feel like the sky is falling. Right. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of stuff happening with the EPA. There's a lot of stuff happening with the current administration and, you know, crony capitalism. And, you know, it's not like all that stuff went away. But there's this other conversation that um, is getting louder and uh, more interesting that isn't making as much headway in the mainstream media, or at least for people who aren't, you know, knowing where to look and, you know, what headlines to go fish out. So let's let's expand on that. Like, let's let's talk about the good news for a minute. Sure. Well, you, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, I was, was going to give you a little bit more of a segue there, which is, you know, you are watching this. You have your finger on the pulse of uh, a lot of these companies that are doing un- unbelievable stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not only are they reporting to you, you are putting them into your metrics and kind of reporting that back to the industry. So I'll just I'll, I'll step out of the way and uh, let's let you start. Um, you're absolutely right. I think. Uh, there are reasons for optimism, and and you you said it perfectly. We are, you know, fed a steady diet of very divisive, uh, polarizing news politically uh, and socially. And I think one of the things that we've been able to do now, we've been serving the American people in, in great detail about. You know their attitudes to business and their attitudes to markets and capitalism. And we're, we're, we're I, uh, you know, I'm personally heartened by a few things, um, and and there are reasons to be optimistic, and and I think the reasons for that are as follows: number one, um, we we sense that uh, you know the American people are uh, united in wanting businesses to be better. They, uh, we don't see a huge amount of difference across uh, different demographic groups, uh, income, um, 
uh, ethnicity, uh, location um, in the country or by age even around what really matters and what's important. And I think there is a deeper set of values and a deeper sense of of purpose that unite us all. And uh, we want markets that uh, better reflect that. So I think that's a that's a reason to sort of uh, you know think that if if we can begin to um, sort of enact that that um, you know we can we can start to you know build a a market that works for more Americans, which is the just capital mission. So so that's the first thing I would say. The public sort of you know wants business and companies to be better. Certainly people believe in markets. They believe in capitalism as a potential force for good. And the other thing that's changing is that I think companies now more and more want to be better. And you see this with the leadership of individuals like Mark Benioff at Salesforce. Uh, you see it with the announcement back in the summer uh, by the Business Roundtable CEOs that they were rejecting 40 years of shareholder primacy to embrace instead a stakeholder model. Um, that says the purpose of a corporation is to create value, not just for its investors, but for all of its stakeholders, specifically its workers, the communities where it operates, its customers, uh, the environment, its suppliers. And so, uh, you know, I look at that and I say, okay, well, maybe we're not that far apart after all. You've got a public that that wants business to be doing more of this. You've got company leaders saying we want to be better at this and so now what what we have to do is figure out how to actually get there from here and um, I think that the, the the political divisiveness we see is obviously a function of the fact we're in um, you know we're, we're in a, we're in election season we have no, no matter what your politics you know we're, we're just in a very volatile political environment but what what America uh, you know, can rally around is this idea of uh, people wanting a, a you know a hand up. They wanted a fair shake. They want um, the idea of the American dream to be alive and well. And so, I think all of those things are possible. And um, it's not easy, but I certainly can see, you know, through the mist, the uh, potential to to uh, to grasp that. So there's. A- you know, everyone can say, hey, look, you know, I want I want the world to be better. I want to, you know, support things that support the environment where the rubber hits the road is I'm walking down the aisle at Target or Walmart and two products side by side. One is cheaper. How do I make that? Dec- how do I make a better decision for my family financially and yet, you know, play this game? And I think that's where, you know, kind of self-interest versus this kind of enlightened global interest is, has been a, li- a little rocky, right? Uh, where do we seeing in terms of market dynamics and kind of, you know, prices adjusting and or, or whatever that would help that buyer actually make the better decision? So that's a great question. You, 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 you uh, are right down now what you, what you might call a point of sale, right? Right, the point of transaction. And by the way, that that would apply to people looking for a job. It would apply to people investing. It would apply to people in companies saying, um, you know, I, I, I want the workplace to be better for me. Um, 
So uh, it also applies in advocacy and activism where I, I'm, I'm, you know, how do I spend my time supporting issues and companies? So that moment of decision is really what counts. And what we're seeing across the board is more and more people wanting to work for, buy from, uh, invest in, uh, you know, support um, uh, companies that are more aligned with their values and doing doing things well or, or avoiding doing things poorly on things that really matter to me personally. And I think that sort of active activism, if you will, sort of democratic activism um, is on the rise. You know, you see uh, more and more consumers, um, you know, being aware of, you know, how the actions of a company is that they're purchasing from and being able to adjust the way they, uh, you know, the way they act as a consumer to reward and punish based on social issues social positions. Likewise, investors, you know, there's something like, um, you know, uh, well, there are trillions of dollars, $3 trillion uh, focused on environmental, sustainable governance, sustainable investing, impact investing, mission investing. That number has been growing at a rapid rate and more and more investors want to invest along those lines because it's good for business, actually get better returns in companies that treat their stakeholders well. Um, and you definitely see more and more, uh, job seekers, you know, looking at the broader picture of a company. So, so I actually feel that what's missing here, and this is, comes back to the just capital mission is you need the information without that data. You're walking down the aisle, you know, to use your example, without that information on whether companies are doing well or poorly on the things that matter to you, uh, you don't, you can't make that decision. And so that's what that's the that's the problem that ultimately Just Capital is trying to solve. We're trying to make it easy for you to know which companies are doing well on the things that you care about. So let's talk about the index. I know we, we mentioned this in the film, but it's been a while and you know get a lot of new new listeners. Uh, what criteria, like what data points does the index take in? Because, you know, I'll look at this and be like, well, you know, a lot of your top ones are, you know, they're tech companies, frankly, right? So it's like, well, how the hell are these guys just, I, you know, I would think it's some sort of, you know, I don't know, some healthy manufactured organic <laughs> food company or, you know what I'm saying? And then there's all these other criteria that are looked at. So, you know, what, what's the filter? So the way the index works is we basically took the best companies, the top half of companies in every industry, um, and put them together, and that that tracks the index. It's actually pretty simple. Um, our methodology looks at how a company treats its workers, how a company treats its customers, the nature of the products that it makes. Are they beneficial to society or harmful? Um, how a company is supporting communities where it operates, supply chains, human rights issues, the environment, and also does it make money? You know, is it well managed and well governed? So we look at um, dozens and dozens of specific things underneath underneath each one of those areas. Uh, we we rank companies uh, in each of those factors, and uh, then we combine all of that in an overall ranking. So what you get, you know, if you came to our website, 
uh, justcapital.com, what you'll be able to see is any company and compare it to any other company on any issue that, that you care about. But for the index, what we wanted was something that sort of captured the essence of, you know, the overall mission. So we took the view that, um, you know, we're going to, we're going, we're going to take the best, uh, 50% of companies in every industry, put them all together. So you've got something like 450 companies uh, across all sectors, um, uh, together in the index. We've been tracking that now live um, for uh, almost three years. It's outperformed as its benchmark, the Russell 1000, by about 400 basis points. That's about 1% every year. And uh, we want, you know, we want to market that to investors. And we, we licensed it to Goldman Sachs and they, they uh, launched uh, an ETF, an exchange traded fund on the New York Stock Exchange in summer of 2018 and you know there's real money being managed against that but you know that's that's one product and you know we're we have a lot more that we uh we're developing where you know we hope to attract you know more investors so they can actually begin to support companies that you know are, are doing well on on all the things that we measure Let's let's go back to the promise of this. So, what the the, the premise and the promise are is that comp- companies that are having more sustainable practices that take better care of their workers that basically rank high uh, in these categories are better for business and are better bets long term uh, for investment. And I, I saw that headline uh, not too too long ago that you know Goldman has jumped in and now they're doing uh, you know kind of a sustainable uh, impact fund of sorts. Is that is that what you're talking about specifically? They're using your data as part of their investment criteria. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's not just Goldman. There are other companies doing that, but yes, Goldman is is um, what they they basically took the index that we launched and and formed a product out of that and uh, that's what you see if you go you know if if uh, you go to the just ticker on the New York Stock Exchange that's what's trading um, but exactly right it's meant to be just a vehicle for investors to to get exposure to that particular index okay so let's let's dive in because you know I'm looking at this right now and it's Microsoft is ranking super high in all of these and so first I want to say I think these are these are publicly traded companies these are obviously these are large corporations because I mean you could have a mom and pop essential oil shop that you know is probably really nice but we're not talking about things that are you know showing up uh, you know that are not showing up on like large markets and indices right correct we're, we're, we're focused explicitly our strategy is to target the big Big corporations, because we think we see of these these guys are like big ocean going liners, right? Like they don't turn on t- turn quickly, but they carry a lot of businesses in their wake. They're through their suppliers. They they affect millions of workers and hundreds of thousands of communities all around the world. So if you can shift them onto a slightly more just course, if you will, you can have a huge scale uh, scale impact. So Microsoft's overall score is 71.8. They're doing really well with their workers. Worker pay and treatment are at the heart of the business practice. 75% uh, percentile, I guess, of customers. Products are lower. They're 32 um, uh, in terms of high quality. But then they're getting an 87% or 87 uh, weight, whatever that, how do you explain that, in environment? Can you... 
jump into the, and again, I don't want you to jump into something that you're not prepared to answer, but can you jump into why they're doing so well environmentally? Like, are they buying credits back or they, what are they doing that makes them so good? Well, a few years ago, they committed to being 100% carbon neutral. So they have done a huge amount of work to like actually reduce their carbon footprint. And I don't mean purchasing offsets, but I mean investing in uh, projects that are, uh, you know, uh, essentially uh, transitioning the world to a, a, a lower carbon uh, intensity future. So not just in their own operations, but through their products, they've been applying um, uh, they've been doing a lot of work on clean energy um, and especially in solar. Um, they, uh, uh, they had a very aggressive renewable energy target for their own usage. They've been extremely strong on um, waste management and recycling, um, not just packaging, but also electronic waste. So they've taken a number of concrete steps that, you know, relative to um, not just others in their industry, but others in every other industry um, that are, you know, exceptional. And we feel like that's worthy of the number one ranking. So let's follow this through with my audience. Cause this isn't like, you know, I'm, I, I'm not an investment podcast, right? Like these aren't, um, you know, I, obviously I have people that are much more savvy in markets and all this kind of stuff, but let's, Follow this in a layman's terms through to what it does in terms of ripple effect into the economy and why um, rewarding uh, Microsoft with, you know, uh, investment dollars and all the things that would, would come with these indices, you know, ranking them high and putting money into them, what that does to the overall economy over time. Sure. Um, so this strikes to the heart of our overall thesis. Um, the, the, the basic idea is if you think that markets have an important role to play in solving our social, economic, health, environment, education challenges, um, then you have to try and provide incentives and rewards and punishments, if you will, um, based on a company's performance. I mean, we do that financially. So, why shouldn't we do that for performance on other issues? And the idea that this is not to say that policy and regulation don't have a role to play, but for just capital strategy, you know, we want to provide the incentives for companies to be better, to be better at treating their workers, to be better at managing and reducing their environmental impacts, to be better at investing in communities in this country and around the world that, that need that support. And so we want to use market forces to incentivize positive action on those issues. And so the first thing we do is, uh, you know, just, just to take it right back to the beginning, you know, we, we ask the public, what are the issues that matter to you? So we didn't decide that the environment or workers or communities or fair pay or you know, gender equity were important issues. Um, the American people did. We've had five years now of very detailed survey work that's created a framework 
for uh, all the issues that the public prioritize. That's what we measure companies against. Um, our research team then gathers data and provides the best possible sort of unbiased ranking and analysis of how all these publicly traded companies are doing on all those issues. And our hope is that if we can package this the right way and have enough influence over how investment dollars flow, consumer uh, uh, spending flows, how talent enters the workplace, et cetera, that all of that together incentivizes the leaders of these big companies to begin to take action. And, and that that has a really important role to play in a free market economy where we value things that right now are just not being pursued um, either for a lack of data and information. In other words, people just don't know and they, they, otherwise they would take an action if they had that knowledge. Um, and that ultimately over the long term, these things also support uh, better business performance. You know, investing in your workforce reduces attrition. It uh, helps create a more loyal, uh, well-trained uh, workforce, which translates into higher employee engagement, which improves productivity, which improves customer service, which improves customer loyalty, which grows pricing power, which reduces, uh, which increases your operating margins which ultimately produces a stronger brand, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, reflects the values of the society that it serves. And I think that all of that is what we need to do if we're really to have a healthy capital markets, um, you know, for the next generation. So that's how the market, the, the market theory works. And, and you know, um, one thing that we really must do if that's to um, if that's to become a reality is you have to measure impact and you have to measure progress. Um, it's not enough to say these things. We actually have to know: is Microsoft making a difference? Are they actually reducing their environmental impact? You know, are they actually uh, moving towards 100% gender pay equity? And that's our job. We measure those things just like any company, just like Bloomberg might measure, you know, a company's profitability. You know, we're out there measuring justness. And ultimately, if you can bring that, these new metrics and these performance analysis to the market and, and Americans want to use that data, then it creates this race to the top. And that's, that's, that's the theory of change. So this is, I mean, your central premise is obviously – Right on on par with what you know you, you know everything that you're doing here, and you've been proving out the model. Now, I, I just want to kind of speak to how much of this is speculative and how much of this has already been established. I mean, I you know back in 2016, I was interviewing um, you know the founder of Calvert Investments and a number of them, and you know back then they were saying, listen, the writing's on the wall. Um, it just makes better business sense to do these things. And, you know, the, uh, a lot of the people that we interviewed for the film felt like that had already been established. What is, uh, what's the sentiment amongst, you know, kind of the investment community when it comes to impact? Is it still this kind of cutesy little theory out there or is it pretty much been embraced by, by, you know, the science uh, and, and the scientists and the data scientists that are, that have been looking at this stuff? <laughs> 
So I'll be honest with you. I, I think there, there absolutely is a lot of information and a really credible analysis oh, stretching back over 25 years that makes the business case. However, there's still a lot of skepticism and a lot of cynicism from mainstream uh, markets and including, uh, you know, um, from, from companies that are embracing this thesis about, is this really moving the needle? Are we actually, you know, driving positive change? Is this just, um, you know, marketing? Um, and uh, also, you know, it's not easy. It's not, uh, you know, if I, if, I, if I knew how to beat the market, I'd be doing this podcast from my, you know, my 150-foot yacht in the Caribbean. Um, so it's, it's, it's really not that straightforward. So I think it's appropriate to really be intellectually honest about this and say, um, you know, there is a business case. We need to unpack it. We need to understand it. We need to, to figure out really what drives causality. In other words, what's just a correlation between, you know, leadership on these issues and better business performance and what's causing um, better outcomes and what's causing better financial performance. And by the way, are the outcomes actually helping people? You know, are we solving real social and environmental problems uh, with this with this sort of, uh, you know, line of thinking? Um, and, you know, I, I, I think the jury's still out on a lot of that stuff. You know, are, are, are we solving climate change, you know, uh, with, by investing in companies that are being proactive on climate risk management? Not really. We're contributing to it for sure. And these companies, um, many of them are taking extraordinarily you know, leadership positions, but everyone can be doing a lot more. And it's not a panacea either for the underlying issues. So I just think there's more complexity to it. And that's probably why you get a lot of criticism. But I certainly don't think that, um, you know, this is a done deal yet. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are confused by, you know, well, what, what does ESG and sustainable investing even mean? How do I do it? Uh, how do you measure success? So, no, I, I, I feel like this is very much a journey and what's actually needed now is, is probably, uh, you know, a, a simple, um, popular platform, a bit like Bloomberg, you know, and actually Bloomberg has been doing a lot of good work in this area, but something that really begins to uh, create um, convergence around uh, a framework that businesses and investors can all get behind. And then it becomes, um, now it becomes, you know, the norm to do this, not the exception. And we live in pretty interesting times when, you know, you and I are having this conversation and there's traction happening in ESG and impact investment. And at the same time, you know, we're fracking the hell out of, uh, you know, the North American continent and we have a glut of oil. I mean, a couple, couple months before the, this recording, U.S. was the biggest net exporter of oil for the first time, in, you know, very long time in the world. And, you know, enough so that it's, you know, uh, driving a glut in plastic and all sorts of things are being made out of plastic. Now we just did a, a, a episode on this. So, you know, here we are, big business, 
uh, big oil, petroleum dollar, all sorts of geopolitical considerations with stability and um, and all that, which are also business, right? And so, how do you how do you get airtime in an environment where you know it's a free for all and businesses, um, you know, getting to to you know a lot of the governors are coming off, if you will, um, and you know environmental controls, uh, and it's become a very you know pro business uh, you know time in the administration, obviously. Uh, but there are some a lot of the things that you guys are measuring aren't on their scoreboard. So how, how do you get in front of people and how do you still convince people that this is the right move? Well, you're you're absolutely right. Um, you know, this is a uh, you know, it is a, a, a complex environment in which we're operating. But I think at the end of the day, um, capitalism itself right now is sort of on the psychiatrist's couch. You know, it, we're, we're we've realized that forty years of shareholder primacy is not working. Income inequality is rampant, making all of our social, economic, environmental problems worse, not better. And we need a new way to think about the system. And. Uh, we don't want the pendulum to swing too far the other direction. Um, I think business in this country is looking for a new North Star. And I would say that you could say the same of um, those you know, politicians, um, those in civil society who recognize that business has a, a crucial role to play in um, you know, building a healthy society, that uh, we need a new, a new North Star, and so that would um, that I think is possible. And I think this idea of a stakeholder economy, where we value how a company is serving all of its stakeholders, as embraced by 181 uh, CEOs. Of the, of, of the country's biggest corporations, um, that I think can be the new North Star. And so I would think about it in those terms. This is about creating a vision where the majority of us can buy into and begin to measure progress. So um, whether you're, no matter, you know, what's your particular point of view, um, we know that that model appeals to uh, the vast majority of the, the, the public through our survey work. We know that companies want it. We know that more investors want it. Um, I don't hear a lot of support out of Washington, I'll be honest with you. I don't hear a lot of vision coming from uh, the Republican or the Democrat uh uh, parties around this this vision for capitalism, um, but I think it exists, and I think it's right there, um, and I think that can cut through a lot of the noise and be something real and tangible and rooted in, you know, uh, what what this country was founded on, which is a belief of in sort of, you know, individual rights and 
the idea that, you know, I can build a better future for me and my family, no matter where I come from and what my background is. So that, that is universal. And I, 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 I would always bring it back to that central message. So that's, that's why I think we have a shot right now and why I, I you know, I, I think, you, you know, the complexity you referred to is always going to be there. But if you've got that North Star guiding you, um, you know, at least you know what direction we're trying to go in. Yeah. Now, I know you don't have a crystal ball, obviously, um, you'd be on that yacht, but the idea of, you know, we talk about climate resilience. What about bubble resilience? Um, there's a lot of people that say, you know, look, we just kicked the can forward in 2008. You know, the pensions are in trouble. They're, you know, they're putting their money into junk corporate bonds that are losing their credit. And, you know, there's, there's trouble, right, on the horizon uh, for um, – economies that have been using central banks to basically keep cheap money in circulation. And, you know, uh, things, things might not have the fundamentals that a good kind of capitalist or good economist would, would want to see uh, in the global economy, not just America. Uh, is there any da- data to suggest that the companies that are following these types of principles are more resilient and, uh, I don't know, um, less likely to bust should there be, um, you know, significant movement in the markets? Well, that, that, that is a great question. And, you know, I'll come back on in five years time after we've been through, you know, a cycle to be able to give you a better answer to that. I would say, you know, it's interesting when we look across the top companies in every industry that we rank, um, it's a real mix. You've got, you've got a hundred and odd year old brands there that are still renewing and revitalizing and obviously, you know, self evidently resilient and, um, you know, uh, really capable of building for tomorrow on, on, you know, repeatedly. Um, but you've also got brand new companies, you know, we've got companies that are, are new, you know, you reference some of the tech companies, but you know, we're about to reveal this year's rankings and there are some companies that were founded only a few years ago and have only just gone public that are going to be highly rated, um, in the just capital framework. So, I, I, you know, I, I do feel as though there are companies that are just higher quality, more durable. Um, I go back to some of the things I said earlier about, you know, the, the, uh, a natural resilience of a company that looks after its workers well, looks after its customers well, um, you know, is, is better served, is better serving the communities where it operates, better relationships with its suppliers, and there's more sort of, uh, you know, ethical and, you know, has a leadership with greater integrity, those companies probably are going to do better. They're going to do better over the long term. They're going to do better in, the, in a downturn. Um, I, I feel like that that's just good business sense. I mean, you know, that's what they taught me in my MBA. And I think anyone who knows anything about business will tell you that that's the, that's the key to a success of a good business. Every company is going to go through, you know, good times and bad times. Every company is going to go through, you know, um, regional and, and global recessions. And I don't see these things as being luxuries. They're going to get tossed overboard the minute times get tough. In fact, the, the opposite. I think that when times get tough is when you fall back on your, your core sort of beliefs, that's been that's been my experience, and the CEOs that I talk to of these big companies say the same thing. That 
you know, the markets want shorter and shorter term performance. Um, that's a problem. But uh, the really smart investors, the pension funds you talked about, um, the CEOs that are trying to build for the long term, you know, they're falling back on these core values. And I think those are going to be the most resilient companies. And, you know, time will tell. But but my sense is that um, this is a protection from volatility, uh, you know, not, not, not just a, uh, a way to sort of you know, capitalize on, on a, on a, a current trend and, and, and we'll sort of jettison these ideas the minute the going gets tough. Yep. It's interesting. Like, you know, like famously one of the, like, so United Airlines famously chunked it on their pension plans and, you know, basically, you know, had their pilots take a bath because the money wasn't there and all that. And, you know, I'm looking at their ranking and it's not very high, right? It's, it's very, uh, you know, rank 503 out of all the public companies. And I think the, their lift comes from, you know, some of the things that, that they are doing better, um, but it, it's it's reflective, right? And and how you run your company matters. And it's just like the fundamentals of you know your P and L's and a balance sheet of any company. Um, if these other metrics like how you care for your customers, how you care for your workers, and the environment, these things that people are actually telling you matter to them, these things show up on the scoreboard, and we measure them. You know, if eventually, effectively, we've kind of nuanced our capitalism into something that is much more reflective of our ideals. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm preaching to the choir there. It's just the premise is, is awesome. Now the question is, how do we carry this forward? And, and just the short time that we have left, um, you know, what's the vision of the future? How do we get this to become the operating system of, of Wall Street and, and the new economy? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I think about that 24-7. Um, you know, our, it is. It's it kind is of what you our, get paid to our, think about, we right? We have an awesome team and they think about it every day and we have an incredible Incredible board, and uh, likewise. So, look, I think this is about um, you know one one sort of you know step at a time. We want to build a brand first of all. We want to spread the word on what we're doing. Um, you know, you, you know, we do lots of things to try and do that, and this podcast will hopefully help. Um, and we appreciate the chance to come on and tell our story. I think you know we we want to celebrate. Um, leadership in the companies, and then we want to have the companies spread the word. You know, we have the companies themselves say we're a just company because this, that, and the other. Like that's a major point of leverage. You know, I think um, you know we want to have an army of consumers, a movement around the country of people who are saying, "Yes, this is a better way to do business," and uh, you know, we are. This is useful to me in the way I go about my business, whether running a company or, you know, working in a company or, or as a consumer or as a, as an activist, you know, I think data itself is tremendously leverageable. So, you know, we want to empower anyone who cares about the future with our data. We want them to trust that we're developing the best available information and doing the best analysis. And then we want to have uh, champions, you know, people who, who do have a, a, a platform um, that can spread the word and really, you know, um, uh, sort of popularize this idea that there is another way. We don't we, we don't have to swing from just unfettered uh, shareholder primacy 
to to just you know, you know breaking up companies and 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 high taxation of companies. Now we can do other things too, and we can leverage markets, uh, you know, to solve some of our problems as as part of that uh, overall approach. So. So yeah, so I think five years from now, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be walking through Times Square and there'll be a 50-foot billboard with the Just Capital seal, uh, which is a badge of honor that that Just Companies display. And, um, you know, we're going to be, people are going to be using this for, you know, for for, uh, for making investment, consumer and, and uh, employment decisions as well. I got one last question about some of the fundamentals of, of how you weigh your scores. Um, so your scoring weight for you guys, workers, 25, customers, 18, yep. products, 14, environment, 13, right? And so you ask a different guy on the street, you know, for me, the environment might be 40, whereas jobs or, or workers, you know, for a guy who's got to, you know, um, that's that's his job. Maybe that, that, that does belong there. So how did you guys establish the scoring weight? And did that come from your surveys of the American population as well? It did. So it all comes from the public. The way it's done is we got a representative sampling of the population. Um, we did that with the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. They have the Amerispeak panel, which is uh, managed and maintained to be fully mapped to census. And what that does is give us, you know, a, as good a picture as you can get of the overall aggregate um, relative importance of those things. So that's what the percentages reflect. However, the reason we built the platform the way we did is because you care about the environment. We want you to be able to go on and in two clicks, see how all of these companies are doing on the environmental issues that you care about. And maybe that's how you use Just Capital, and that's totally fine. You know, you don't you don't have to just come in and focus on all the other things that other people care about. You can focus on the things that only you care about, and and use that in ways that that matter to you. So that's that's the beauty of the platform that we're building. Um, but we 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 also you know you know to your point, we we want to put this back to the consumer. We don't want this to be about us. We don't want to be the ones picking the issues. And we don't want to be the ones picking what's important or how important they are relative to each other. That's all got to come from, from the public. And we think that that grassroots bottom-up movement is the way to really drive lasting change. You know, this can't come out of, a, out of some, you know, expert model that we've, we've developed in some, you know, sidebar meeting at a conference you know, this has got to come from the public because that's who the markets serve. The markets are the public. Um, so that's that's why we think this this circularity of what we've created is actually pretty compelling and has a shot at driving real change. I love it. I love it. Uh, for those of you who haven't looked it up yet, um, if you're driving or whatever, um, when you get home, justcapital.com. Poke around. Uh, a lot of interesting data, a lot of interesting compilation stuff that, you know, um, you look, someone's doing the work and these guys are doing it. Um, there's obviously a lot of work to be done, but it's easy to talk about wanting to see change in the world. It's easy to talk about what people are doing wrong. But, you know, once we could start quantifying and shifting this scoreboard, if you will, and using our capitalism to um, serve 
our intent, which is to, you know, coexist and live on a planet and thrive and feed our families and educate them and do all the things that, you know, we, we, we want to do peacefully. Um, the, the real question is, okay, so what do we have to do to rethink this? Um, and, you know, if you want to make data-driven decisions, great. Look, here are the people that are, are industry leaders in this. Maybe I invest in them. Maybe I buy their products or maybe I just keep an eye on it. That's up to you. Uh, you know, the information's empowering. So um, I highly recommend taking a look at this. Um, Martin, uh, I'm so glad you're still at this. I'm so glad that this is this is winning and it's still going. And, you know, hopefully five years from now, I look up and I see that billboard too. And I'm just like, <laughs> I know that dude. I know that dude. This is great. <laughs> Well, I hope so, too. Look, if anyone, uh, I'm always interested in getting points of view on this. Um, So anybody listening to this who wants to reach out, please, you know, I invite you to do so. You know, we we are trying to build a movement. The companies that we track are never perfect. You know, that's one of the things I want to leave people with is we're not saying Microsoft is perfect. There's lots of things they don't do well. They'd be the first to admit that. This is all about trying to create improvement and measure that along the way. And so, um, you know, in that spirit, you know, we sort of feel like, uh, you know, if, if we get enough of us with our voices amplified and our dollars amplified, you know, really trying to create these incentives and companies companies will listen because, you know, they, they, they want to be better. They want to do better because they know that it's in their long-term best interest. So that's, that's what I would, uh, that, that's my ask. And I, if anyone does see the billboard in a few years time, uh, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Take a selfie, send it our way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Martin, thank you so much. Uh, this has been, uh, insightful as always. Um, look folks, this stuff matters and, uh, you know, just keep an eye on it, you know, turning a blind eye to, to, to money and, and the flow of, of money is really, you know, money is energy as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, the way we invest it, the way we spend it, uh, what we do with it does matter as you can see reflected in the world. So look at the scoreboard and, uh, um, uh, be a part of this. Martin Whitaker, you're a hero. Keep it up. I uh, look forward to catching up with you again in a, in a few months' time. Let's, let's keep this thing moving. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks, I'll see you next time.